If, if you've got your Bibles, can you turn to Ezekiel 47? Ezekiel 47. Um, the words will also come up on the screen. So if you haven't yet, yeah, I'm timing it as well. If you can put your hand up, if there's a couple of minutes left, that'll just help me to know, and I'll try and bring it into land. There, there is so much here. This sermon is kind of, we've been going through a series as a church on how to preach the gospel, and I feel like this ties into that. But actually, this is kind of a standalone thing that came up in our recent encounter evening. There was a word that came. Some of you would have been there. And, uh, and I've just been dwelling and contemplating on this. And last night, I really felt, like as I was preparing for today, I felt like God was saying, I really want you to speak on this. There's a lot of stuff in there. Even though this was written, the book of Ezekiel was written whilst Ezekiel was exiled in Babylon at about 592 BC. So we're talking two and a half thousand years ago. I feel like this is going to speak to us as a church today. Um, that's the beauty of the Word of God, is it's living and it's active and it can speak to us today. It's not a dry old dusty book that's irrelevant, it actually speaks to us today. That's really important that we understand that. Um, and so whether we're in Birmingham or Bognor Regis, or whether we're in Beirut or Bangladesh, the Word of God is relevant for us today. Did you like all those four Bs there? Birmingham or Bognor Regis, Beirut or Bangladesh... Doesn't matter what nationality, doesn't matter where you're from, whether you're black or white or any other colour, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter what nationality you are, the word of God is for all tribes, all of us, today. That's really important. Um, and I love the fact, if we look around, there's people from all sorts of, probably most continents represented. And um, you know, we've got a lot of room to flesh out, haven't we, to fill this place out. But I'm not going to waste my time, not going on my notes. So I'm going to read it through once. And then I'm going to try and pick out a few things that I feel like the Spirit's saying to us today. Is that okay? And I really do feel like this is for us as a church today. And so, verse 47, the man... Um, who is the man? Who's always the man when you ask a question? Well, I think it's Jesus. If you look in Ezekiel 40, verse 3, When he brought me there, behold, there was a man whose appearance was like bronze. So I've really put a lot of spray tan on, or, or it's someone that looks... He's, he's like the glory of God and he had a linen cord and a measuring reed in his he- head and he was standing in the gateway so there is, there is a being there that's met Ezekiel at this temple and like shining like bronze sounds like Jesus to me could be an angel but I'm going to say I think it's Jesus so the man brought me to, back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out from through the north gate and led me through around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. Confused yet? You need Google for that, didn't you? That's like, if you was asking me for directions, I'd be like, can you repeat? I'm lost. Like, water from the south side, east side, north side, there's a gate here and something. Oh, I need a sat-nav for this, but... I'm sure there's immense significance in all these. We're not going to focus on that. Verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. So it's like he's got a big ruler or something, but he's measuring out. He measured off a thousand cubits. Anyone know how big a cubit is? There might be one of you that are really good on... So, well, um, a thousand cubits, I don't know what one cubit is, but it's about 450 to 500 metres about 450 to 500 metres. And so he measured off about, less, a bit longer than a running track, 400 metres running track. So he measured off a 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. 
He then measured off another thousand and led me through water that was now knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. So it's getting deeper and deeper. Every 500 or so metres he's going out, it's gone from standing in a temple, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And then it says, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. So no longer in a temple on firm ground, but literally in the, almost in the sea. So deep, can't touch the bottom. A river that no one could cross. Verse 6, he asked me, I think there's significance in this. So this individual we think might be Jesus, we can't 100% say, but I'm, I'm going to put my... Not that I'm a betting man, but if I was, I'd put my money, this is Jesus. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? So it's like there is some significance that this heavenly being, this bronze type figure, wants Ezekiel to notice in the dynamics of being in a temple, walking away from it, and the further away from it, the deeper the river gets. Just on a superficial level, there's something there, do you see it? Like, wake up, there's something going on right now. You're not just floating about in water. There's something that I'm trying to show you. There's like significance. There's a meaning behind this. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. So now we're back, I think, near the temple. When I arrived there, verse 7, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. So on both sides. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, it's very, very salty. Not much grows there. You can float in it. It's like the Red Sea, the Dead Sea. So salty, you can jump in it and float in it. Not great for fish. Too much salt. It's like, not very good for them. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. So where this river that flows from the temple goes out and meets the very salty sea in the Dead Sea... It becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. It says that twice. Whenever there's repetition, that often means the writer is trying to get our attention. We believe the word of God is inspired, written by the Holy Spirit, inspired multiple authors over multiple generations. So Ezekiel writing this letter wants us to get this thing about the salt water there becomes fresh. Where the salt the water meets the salt water, it becomes fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Double underline that. Where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englaim. It's a big area. There will be places for spreading nets. So there's team fishing going on. There are people literally not standing there with fishing rods, but they've got nets and they're casting them in and they're hooking out loads of fish. It's a really fertile place. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. So there are some places that aren't going to get touched by the river, and they're going to be left as they are. And they're going to be pretty used. They're just like salt mines, really. Salt in the Old Testament is often a sign of God's judgment. If you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, there's a people that weren't living life God's way. And uh, the judgment of God was the people that turned around. It was, um, who was it? Lot's wife. That was it. Turned around, became a pillar of salt. So here, the sense of it saying salty isn't, oh great, we've got salt for our dinner. It's actually a sign kind of of almost judgment. Not of the life coming, the abundant life, but of judgment. 
Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. And why will they bear fruit? Not because they're great trees, not because they've been well looked after, but because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. It's really important. Why is everything so fruitful and so abundant? It's because of what it's being fed by, what is nourishing it, what's coming to it, not how it's tended, not what it's done. So there's some analogies we can start to see, probably, without me even beginning to move on. Their fruit, of these, of these trees, their fruit will serve for food and their lives for healing. Okay, King Jesus, would you help me as I try and stumble through this in the next 10 minutes uh, Lord I thank you for, for just your revelation Lord I, Holy Spirit I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and even if my words aren't sufficient Lord I pray that these words that Ezekiel wrote thousands of years ago will come alive to us today because you want us to see something son of man do you see this daughter of man do you see this Like you, you want us to see something of, of, of the wonders of heaven and of the flow from the temple from your throne room in heaven into our lives and the good that it can bring in our, in our communities and in our, in our own homes, we pray. Amen. Okay, so are you with me? Yes, one of Well, Liz is. Great. Come on, Liz, we're doing this. Right. So, it says at the beginning that we're in a temple. I want you to imagine this is the temple. We're in the church, the temple. I'm going to take some, probably some liberties with this, but I think it works. So, we are in the four walls of a temple. The floor is dry, there are walls, there's a roof, it's very safe and secure and sturdy. Uh, in, the, in the chapters before this, from chapter 40, you see what the temple's for. It's for making offerings and things like that. It's somewhere you go for holy observance at certain times. But it's not where you live. It's not where you stay 24-7. You don't live your life in the temple, unless you're a priest. But there were the Levites set apart from the, the 12 tribes of Israel to do that work. The other 11 were meant to live their life in the world and they all had distinct purposes. Similar for us. We're not all going to... I'm not, I, like, I, I, if I'm the priest of Hope Church, I don't live my life in this temple preaching 24-7. I try and live my life elsewhere. So the analogy breaks down a little bit. But from this temple, the river flows. And uh, if you turn to Psalm... No, Revelation 22, verse 1. I, I love this verse. I'm just going to read it out. It said, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. So this is in Revelation The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side of the river of the tree of life. Sounds a lot like what we've just been reading about, doesn't it? There's a throne room with a river flowing from it, a temple with a river flowing from it. It's going down into the city, it's cutting through stuff and everywhere it's going, it's bringing life. There's a tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit as we read on. Oh gosh, this was talking about fruit at the end, wasn't it? Yield its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. My gosh, it's the same place. So this temple that Ezekiel is re- writing about is the same throne room of heaven that we read about in Revelation. When John gets a revelation of the throne room of heaven and he's writing this apocalyptic letter right at the end of the Bible in Revelation, there's a river that flows from the throne room of God. There, well, there's, I think there's a, a verse in the Psalms that says there's a river that makes glad the streets of God or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But it's in Psalm 46 verse 4 if you want to make a note of that yourself. You can do. But so, so this, is, this isn't normal water. This water is, is, signifies something of the flow of the Spirit of God into our lives. The Holy Spirit flowing from the throne room of heaven down into the earth to bless the nations. 
to go beyond itself. And where does it flow from? It flows from the sanctuary, from Costa, from your prayer room at home, whatever that looks like, your closet, the seat that you sit in, and it goes out, slowly, gradually, seeping into the world. Initially, you're just stood on a firm floor like this, and you're not wet. So a great place where you can go and encounter God, but actually the depth of the Spirit, it gets deeper the further away from the sanctuary you go. And so, I'm sort of grasping for words. These are running waters. A guy called Matthew Henry, he says this about this verse. He says, running waters of, like, the waters of the sanctuary are running waters of a river. They're not the still waters of a pond. Like, if you think of a pond, like, I can imagine where the water was, like, splish, splashy, ankle deep. If that water doesn't move, that's going to start to get a bit stagnant, is it? It gets a bit stinky. It doesn't go anywhere. But where there's flowing water, stuff moves along, doesn't it? And so I was just thinking of this image, like the further away we move from the church, the further away we move from the walls of safety and security, the further away we move from kind of the altar and we take the Spirit of God that we've received in that place and we take it out into the world, the further we go, here it's 500 metres at a time, 1,000 cubits, 1,000 cubits, there's a depth. First you're ankle deep, then you're knee deep, then you're waist deep. And once you can't hang on to anything at all, all you've got is the Spirit of God around you, saturating you. That's where you start to see fruit. That's where you start to see healing. That's where you start to see miracles. That's where you start to see provision. It's not in the temple. I'm not saying like stuff doesn't happen amongst God's gathered people. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, if you look at the ministry of Jesus... Jesus spends time almost in the sanctuary up the mountain with God, but he comes down and moves further out, right to the fringes of society to engage with people that are as far from the temple as you can get. Most of Jesus' miracles don't happen in Jewish temples. They happen in marketplaces. They happen in homes. They happen on the streets with people that are like lame, laying on mats that that can't get in the temple because they're unclean. It happens beyond the city walls. I really feel like what God is saying is like there is something glorious that God is giving us here, but it's to be, it's to flow, river flow, it's to flow out into the world. And that the blessing is there, where where the salt water meets the pure water, transformation happens. Where the Spirit of God intersects with a world that really has got the judgment of God all over it. The way that it's gone, the stuff that it's up to, the brokenness, the pride the social degradation, all the stuff that's going on in the world around us, where the, where the river flows and where it touches it, like it says here, it brings life. Everywhere the river flows, it brings life. Literally, that sea is called the Dead Sea. My God, you don't get much more dead than dead, do you? Like, it's not the almost Dead Sea, the little bit of hope sea, it's the Dead Sea. And everywhere the river flows into that place, there's life. And we see where transformation happens, all of a sudden there's an abundance of life. Hostile places, when we've got the Spirit of God, can become very, very fertile places. What's the most hostile place you can think of? It could be someone's heart, someone you know at work, maybe even someone in your family. That's really sad, isn't it? When one of the most hostile hearts, the places we know is in a person. It could be a road. It could be a house in your street. It could be the neighbour next to your elderly parents and it really breaks your heart that they have to sit there hearing the arguments through the wall every night. 
What's the most hostile place you can think of? That is like this salty dead sea. And we've got to invite the river to flow. We've got to get away from the temple. We can go there, but we don't live there. So I'm not saying don't ever come to church. Don't ever like, this isn't what I'm, hopefully you're able to decipher some of this. But I really feel like there's something that God's telling us about the flow of what he wants to do here. It's like we haven't got buckets to start just fill up here and just glory, glory. But there's something about the movement of the spirit of God into brokenness. Into fear. Into apathy. Into distraction. All these things that get in our way. Like with our... Do you think I'm distracted? <laughs> My wife's looking like, that's you. That is, you need this river. <laughs> we all need it. You need it as too, love. We all need it, don't we? Don't say that rudely. We all need it. We don't think we, that we don't. If you think you don't need it this morning, you know what? You're first in line. We all need it. We all need it. And so I do a couple of little points. There's loads in here. Hopefully, are you getting what I'm saying? Can you see what I see? Or am I just seeing something that's not... Uh, do you see this? We've, I was just sharing, there's a new family that were with us this morning, and uh, I was sharing with them the fact we've been here five years. And um, during that five years, we, we've had lots of like, almost like little misstarts, then COVID happens, and then out again, then another lockdown. Great, thanks. This is brilliant. Like, it really gets in the way of what we're trying to do. But all the time, like, there's been a base that's been forming. There are some wonderful, glorious... You're all here, that, that have joined us along the way. And it feels like we've been praying for like bench strength, for leaders to join us, people maturing their faith that know what they're about, that want to see the river flow. People that want to be a part of seeing the glory of God impact lives. And, uh, and that's what we're here for. That's why we moved. We had a lot of change in our life so that we could be a part of that, so we could see that here in Sittingbourne. And, and I think that it's not just for us. That's kind of what I'm saying. That there, there's something I feel like God really wants to do sort of in us and through us and I feel like it says in here what it is and so we go right to the bottom I, again I'm reaching for stuff God will confirm it if I'm right but there's a thing here where it says verse 12 fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail that's obviously in Psalm 1 it says blessed is the man um, who keeps the ways of God uh, his leaf is like a tree planted by streams of living water and in his um, his leaf won't wither, his fruit will all be ripe in season. It's the same thing, it's the same imagery. You see this connects to all sorts of imagery of what God wants to do. But every month, so this, I think this is about us. If I can push this, every month they will bear fruit. So these are tre- sometimes trees have seasons, don't they? They might, in March they're fruitful, and then you've got 11 months of it getting ready for the next March, yeah? This is every single month there's stuff going on, every single month. There's, there's fruit that comes from this, from this group of trees. And that fruit isn't for sustaining itself. But that fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And if we go back to that Revelation one, it's for the healing of the nation. So it's beyond itself. It's not just to make the fruit trees more fruitful. And I really felt this thing about will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I was just thinking about how, how hungry people are for the word of God. How hungry people, like there is a hunger in the human heart for people who don't know who they are. They don't know what life's about. They've been sold a lie that they, they're economic units. You go to work, you take out loans, you buy lots of stuff and you'll be happy. There's a hunger in the human heart for people to be fed the truth about who they are in God. Is that the time? 
Yeah, we'll be landing in a minute. I've lost you now, haven't I? There's a hunger in the human heart, in every human heart, for us to be fed the bread of life. Not the bread of consumerism, the bread of all the other stuff that you can get in the world. But there's a sense of, what are we going to be giving people? It's the bread of life. It's Jesus. And when I was saying this does chime in with us talking about evangelism, we need to give Jesus to people. The bread of life to people. And then the next thing, the leaves are for healing. I genuinely, and I was thinking, and I don't say this with any judgment, it's just my observation, I've been to most of the churches in this town, I don't see any churches that are really pressing in for breakthrough in healing, deliverance. I see counselling, which is a great place for that, I'm not saying counselling is not important, but there is something about deliverance, there is something about healing from the Spirit of God that is a signpost of the truth of the feeding of the bread of life. The two things go hand in hand. Everywhere Jesus went, he proclaimed the gospel. He set people free from demons. We're allowed to say demons. He set people free from demons. It's biblical. And he healed people. Literally, as people were delivered, they were healed. Um, like I, I don't want to settle for anything less than that. And I think as churches, like I know some of the leaders in the town have been... There's a, there's a real new dawn in Sittingbourne across the churches and I'm really blessed by it and I know there's other leaders with this on their heart and so I feel like this is a message not just for us but for churches that if Sittingbourne is anything wouldn't it be amazing if the reputation of Sittingbourne wouldn't be this place everyone wants to get out to out of but if you came to Sittingbourne you would, you would be fed the bread of life and you would be healed you would be set free mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically in every single way you would encounter Jesus in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your frame. Forget tools, forget techniques. We'll learn those along the way. Some will work, some won't. But it's this thing that we're, we're reaching for the, for the sanctuary, the flow of the... And you know where it starts? It starts in your heart. It starts in my heart. If I'm not doing it, I can't stand up here and preach at you guys to do it. We've done pinky promises about me sharing the gospel. I think it's more fundamental than that. I think it's just about us really meeting with Jesus in the sanctuary, not staying there, which we can be in danger of doing because it's the safety of the four walls, but then going right out to the most dead places, those dead places you could think of in your mind. We go there with what we've got from the sanctuary, with the bread of life, with the faith for healing, and we just speak blessing and honour because that's what Jesus has done for us. He left the security and the safety of the sanctuary of heaven so that the river might flow into a broken world so that we might be redeemed. Hallelujah. Now the truth. Woo! Yeah. Get an amen. Woo! But I think this is it. It's like, like this is a vision of the resurrected Jesus seated on the throne and all of his blessing flowing down into a thin place, and that is here in Sittingbourne. And us being about that. And what we do kind of falls in line with that. Whereas I can think often what we do is we think of what we ought to do. Like I could go, it's to be fed, let's start a food bank. Well, we might do that. We might get involved with a food bank. But that's not quite enough. We're giving people food, but we're not really giving them the bread of life and healing and deliverance on like that, like most like molecular level. If you've got a spiritual level, do you get what I mean? Like the... You can, you can put a sticking plaster on a wound. If you don't address the root wound, you haven't helped. So we can give out food, and we need to. Like The, the economic crisis that's coming isn't here yet. We think it is, but it's going to get so much worse. 
It is. I'm not trying to be like a harbinger of doom, but things are going to get, for some people, going to get really hard. This is an opportunity for us to really step up. As God's people, to show this river where there's an abundance. And just the last point, because I feel like there's something in this, and, and, and I'll land it there, even though there's so much more I'd want to say. So, okay, verse 10. Fishermen will stand along the shore. There will be places for spreading nets. So I think like team fishing, we had Steve Dunn recently talked about team fishing. We're not going to go out to share the gospel one-on-one as a church. Taking nets out, getting whole catches of fish. I'll make you fishers of men, Jesus said. So there's something here about salvation that will come. Where the river flows, there is salvation. What is the river? It's both the spirit of God. I think it's the gospel. Where the gospel is shared liberally, salvation will happen. A great catch will be brought in. There is a great fertile catch to be brought in. And you know what? The most beautiful thing, and I hope this will warm your heart if I can find it on my scribbled notes um, the fish will be of many kinds they're not all going to look and sound like Gordon praise the Lord and they're not all going to look and sound like you but there are going to be people from every nation every tribe every tongue every age group young and old I love having our young people in with us it's like one of the things that we do for those of you who are new we love having our young people in with us because this is an extension of our house. That's how we think of it. We're not having different groups where we all go off and do different courses. And We're a family. The family of God. And it's inconvenient, it's difficult, it's noisy. But it's glorious. It's a glorious mess. And that's why we try and keep things shorter. So I'll finish. But the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. And I don't know about you, but there are so many different types of fish. There are so many different things. And God wants a diverse church. Like we talk about diversity in the world, but God wants a diverse church. And if we see anything here, there are exceedingly many types of fish. There is fertility, there is flourishing, there's prosperity, there's diversity, there's difference, there's uniqueness. But yet there's a sense of unity and it's all coming from the throne room of God. It all rests under the throne room of God. We're not doing this on our own. But we're looking to God for all that he wants to do in us and through us. And so, can I invite you just to pray on your tables, maybe get in little groups. Not for long, we'll, we'll wrap up there. And then hopefully quarter past 11 we'd have done it. Gosh, gosh, amazing. I was a bit over time, wasn't I? Sorry about that. But let's pray. Let's invite the Lord. Like, where, where, Where's this difficult? Lord, I love the safety of being in the sanctuary. I love keeping my feet dry. I don't really want to go out and get wet and messy. And That, that could be the reality. I don't, I, I don't want to go. Lord, help my heart. I don't want to go. I'm afraid of what it might look like if I went. If I went so deep that I haven't even got my feet on the ground anymore. I'm used to being in charge and in control. And if I go that far out, I could get overwhelmed. I don't know about you. I want to go and explore the depths where you can't touch the bottom. There, there are wonders and truths of the Spirit the further away you get. The, more, the further you get to brokenness, to that salty water, that's where the miracles happen. And that's what, what we want to be about. And so let's just pray on our tables. Is that okay for a couple of minutes? And then uh, maybe someone will pray to close. Cheers, guys.